everyone, and welcome to my sauntering podcast. My name is Paul White, and I live in a gorgeous place called Weymouth, and this podcast is a collection of saunters that were born in lockdown, but it's also got some additional stuff which is just fresh, hot off the press. I'm praying that you'll be really blessed and that God will speak into your heart as we take this journey together. So please go ahead and hit the subscribe button to keep updated with the very latest sauntering podcasts. Good morning saunterers, good morning Facebook friends, good morning radio listeners. Here we go. We are sauntering in the mo- one of the most famous chapters in the whole Bible today. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. What a banger. So, Lord Jesus, help us as we look at this incredible chapter. Let us understand what it is you want to say to us today. Let us hear your heart, feel your heart, know your heart, connecting with ours today. In Jesus' glorious name. Amen. Now, this morning I was out for a run in the sunshine is just glorious. Not a cloud in the sky, completely unbroken sunshine. And good morning to you, Cathy and Tracy Ann and Flor. Buenos dias. Unbroken sunshine, the sea just like glass, and this glorious orangey warm hue to everything. Oh my. And I thought, isn't that just the perfect kind of introduction to this? Um, chapter from the Apostle Paul. It is just the chapter of unbroken sunshine and I don't know if you're like me and a bit synesthetic when you um, can combine um, colours and sounds and images. They kind of take, the senses kind of blur a little bit. Whenever I think of 1 Corinthians 13 it's always a warm yellow colour in my mind so I guess that's what's going on there but the Apostle Paul, here he goes, and I think we need to understand this This chapter really uh, speaks for itself. It's, it's so often wed, read at weddings, and for very, very good reason, because it really just emphasises what true love is. Now, th- let me say, as an introduction, the love that's being spoken of here is agape. It... <laughs> Pete Naylor, if you're not, if you're listening on the radio, Pete Naylor has made a comment which only he and I would get. So I can't comment on it except to say that Pete doesn't really appreciate colour very much. <laughs> and so, good morning, Alison. Good morning, Pete. Um, but the con, so the word there for love in this chapter, after my slight distraction, there is agape this is that sacrificial love it's the love that is found in the context of christianity it's an almost exclusively christian term in terms of the greek word agape it's introduced into greek vocabulary through the church through people like the apostle paul and through jesus himself and so so let's we'll we'll 
comment some more on that in a second, but let's read. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Apologies to the drummers and percussionists, but you get the picture. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. It's interesting there that he makes that identity statement, I am nothing. I, I am nothing. I have no value, no, no kind of existence really worth talking about if I don't have love, even if I have all of these incredible qualities. Um, if I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. What's it all for? Nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. <clears throat> it is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face, even as, uh, sorry, now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now, Faith, hope and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Wow. So this is just so magnificent, isn't it? So Paul's saying, listen, everything I've ever said to you, everything that I've ever written, you must understand me and my heart and God's heart towards you in this context. I'm going to say that again, just in case anyone wasn't listening. Everything I've ever said to you, everything I've ever written, everything I've ever done, you must understand in this context. Everything you have heard from me about God, you must understand in this context. This is the reason I do everything that I do. This is my raison d'etre. This is the reason I live, that my purpose in life is all li listed here in this chapter. Now, let's just go back and reflect a little bit about what Paul has been talking about. He came to them and he said, listen, I came to you in weakness and trembling and fear. Why did he even come? Because he had the agape of God burning in his heart for the Gentile world. So he could not keep quiet about Jesus. He had to tell them why. 
because he understood something of the love of God and the heart of God that he had to communicate. He loved them too much to be silent about it. And I was just thinking this morning in the shower whether there's a way possible that I could get to speak to everybody who's ever been a friend of mine on Facebook and anyone who's ever known me. If I could bring one word to them as a group of people all at once. If I could do Facebook Live and all my friends would watch it and I could just make one statement that would sum up my whole life and my whole purpose and the reason I've never stopped banging on about Jesus since I was a child and so on and so on and so on. And this is what the Apostle Paul is doing. He's saying, you've got to understand that everything about me is in, is rooted in this chapter, in, the, in my heart is here, spelled out in black and white. Good morning, Fran, and good morning, Joan. And so, um, when, so Paul starts off, he says, I came to you in weakness and trembling and fear, fear. That was because of agape. I did that because of agape. When he's rebuking them and saying, you're like children. He's a parent. He's speaking like a parent. He's speaking from a heart of agape, of sacrificial love. Listen, sometimes as a parent, in order to really love, we have to sacrifice being loved. Shall I say that again? Sometimes to be a parent or a pastor or a true friend, we have to sacrifice the feeling of being loved in order to truly love. Because what we get back sometimes when we speak the truth in love is not love in return. It's anger and hostility and resentment. And people misunderstand our motives. They judge our motives and they fail to see what's going really going on here. And Paul's saying, listen, even in the rebukes, even in the discipline, even in the correction, the admonition, the scary word from the Apostle Paul, there is love. This is what it, this is where it's coming from. He says, when... He says, when I was a child, I thought like a child. He's already rebuked them for being childish and saying, oh, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos. Whose team are you on? Oh, I'm on team Paul. Ah, oh, he's the best. Paul's our champ. Oh, no, wait, you Ah, oh, I'm of Apollos. If you're following Paul, you're a loser. And he's saying, just stop it. And he says, this is childishness. But what, what does, what's Paul actually advocating in, in, um, Instead of childishness, he's talking about a maturity. And we said that, didn't we? Not where we know the Bible inside out and we can quote it, in, but where we truly, truly love. Where we, if we want a definition of agape, listen to this, listen to this, listen to this. This is the definition of agape. He's, um, John, the apostle says in 1 John three sixteen. he says, we know agape we know love by this the word he uses is agape so if we want a definition of it here it is from the apostle john he says we know agape by this that that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers and sisters he jesus god himself john says um 
God is love. God is agape. We know agape by this, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers and sisters. So if we want to know what love is, if we want to know what agape is, so that we can live out this chapter, that chapter 13 can be our chapter, and we can go through and we can say, oh, Paul is patient and kind. Paul does not envy or boast. Paul is not arrogant or rude. Or Kathy is patient and kind. Kathy does not envy or boast. She is not arrogant or rude. She does not insist on her own way. Kathy is not irritable or resentful. She does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Kathy bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. This, do, 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 do you know what I'm saying? So if we've read this, if we've understood, if we like what we see in chapter 13, we don't go all mushy and say, oh, isn't it wonderful? Oh, it's so lovely. We actually say, well, okay then. What does agape, how do we get, where do we see agape demonstrated? How do we get that into our lives? How can I, what, it, what does it really mean? Well, we know agape by this, that he laid down his life for us and that we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers and sisters. So this is what Paul's saying. So he's saying, listen, when I come to you with a rebuke, it's coming from agape. I'm sacrificing what I want. I'm laying down my life so that I can bring you through these things because I'm after your undying affection for Christ. This is what he's after. He's not looking to make his own name great, although, of course, God did make Paul's name great. <clears throat> and we have the classic irony that Paul's name means small, and he's constantly taking the smaller role. He's taking the smaller place. He's not expecting income from people. He's serving them and working alongside that to pay his way. He's demonstrating sacrificial love again and again and again and again. People who read the Apostle Paul and say, oh, he's misogynistic. No, he is not misogynistic. You have misunderstood his heart. If we want to know the heart of Paul, we want to know the heart of God, we must read this chapter. And it is the context and the motivation behind everything he says the love of Christ constrains us it pushes us on it drives us forward that's what our motivation is and then he so <clears throat> so he talks about all these things and he says do you know what I think that verse four there love is patient and kind love does not envy or boast it's just such a wonderful description of how we need to conduct ourselves day by day if we're really truly disciples of Jesus, where we're patient and kind. I think kindness is just one of the most beautiful attributes of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It doesn't mean, though, that we do not, um, that we hold back and deny the truth. But sometimes in order to be truly loving and truly generous and truly kind, we have to cut to the chase and stop beating around the bush and say, look, this is how it is. And this is how God sees it. So love never ends. He says prophecies. So we love prophecies. It's really important. Paul's just said earnestly desire 
the higher gifts, but he's saying in the context of spiritual gifts, love is the most important thing. It's not about me getting up like the big IT and trumpeting my prophetic vision and kind of lambasting other people, but it's actually coming in that same spirit that's in here. Love is patient and kind. It doesn't envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. So when we bring all those, um, when we bring those glorious spiritual gifts, do you know what makes them beautiful? Is the heart they come with. And so when someone prophesies, it's the heart behind it that we really connect with, isn't it? It's not that kind of important person look at me I've got a word from the Lord you know but it's that it's the heart just to love God and pursue him and we said didn't we that any spirit that doesn't glorify Jesus is not the Holy Spirit and love is one of the qualities that endorses everything that we bring doesn't it it, it puts that lovely like I was saying this morning about the sun just shining across the water that same sea can be muddy and kind of angry and it can be sort of slate gray and miserable and sullen and yet today in that calm beautiful morning with that unbroken sunlight on it it just looks magical and love is the same it just puts that glory on things doesn't it and so if if God can be summed up in three words God is agape by the apostle John is what he says and he says God is agape if God can be summed up in those three words love has to be a massive component of the glory of God because the glory is the visible expression, the out, the kind of effulgence. There you are, it's a word to look up. The overflowing, the, the brightness of his nature, the visible qualities of his nature are in his glory. And so surely love is a huge, 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 huge part of that if we can say that God is love. So, right, so he says, we prophesy in part. This is really important. This is fundamental. Prophecy 101, if you're learning to move in the prophetic, have the humility to know and to recognise that we prophesy in part. It's not something where we bring a, we even expect to bring the full wisdom and counsel of God in one prophecy. But what we're doing is hopefully connecting with heaven and letting God speak to us. And if that comes in that if it comes wrapped up in agape, what a blessing. But he says, but we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. A child thinks primarily in an egocentric kind of way. So everything is about how it affects me. I fall over, my knees hurt, I cry, I want mummy, I don't want daddy, I want mummy. And it's like, I'm hungry, I want food, I'm hot, I want to be cooler, I'm cold, I want to be warm. I need a cuddle, I don't need a cuddle, I don't want you to cuddle me, I want to go and play. 
you know, and that's how we think as a child. And Paul's saying, listen, there's something changes when we become a grown up. And particularly when we mature in Jesus, what we expect to change is our world stops being egocentric and it starts becoming Jesus centric. But that then makes us love the people around us with true agape and someone a a famous prophet said that he saw the um the throne of god the judgment uh, seat of jesus and people were being brought to him in and facing him in that final day and he says to them did you learn god god says to them did you learn to love and he was like whoa did you learn to love well, of course, God knows whether we love or not. So in a sense, it's a rhetorical question. But the question there is, are we learning to love? Are we learning to lay down our lives for the brothers? Are we thinking in an egocentric way? How does this affect me? How I'm upset. I'm annoyed. Stop it. Let's think. Whoa, let's just press pause right there and say, OK, how does agape come into this picture? How do I bring agape into this particular situation because agape changes everything you know that song love love changes everything great song and in in that sense that the lyrics are so though that part of the lyrics i don't know the whole song but the the sense that love changes everything it really really does and god's love is the most potent force in the whole universe because the love of god brings Jesus down to our world it puts Jesus on the cross paying for yours and my sin to bring us into relationship with himself to welcome us into the family of God so he says when I was a child I spoke like a child I thought like a child I reasoned like a child when I became a man I gave up childish ways now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. And don't we? We do see in a mirror dimly. Our, our mirror is often clouded by our own distractions, our own needs, our own agendas. And we don't fully see God. In fact, the world does not see this picture of God, do they? Very often. But when they see a believer who truly loves Jesus, who lives in agape, then they see something of the nature of God, even if their eyes are still veiled and don't fully see. So he says, now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. And so God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Father, has seen every bit of me up until now, knows me fully, and there will be a time when I will know him fully, when I see him face to face. Oh my Oh my, come on, Shabbat, come on, Jesus. Hey, Lord Jesus, thank you for that glorious day when we will see you face to face. Thank you for that hope that burns in our hearts day by day. Hey, oh God. Just reach out your hands wherever you are and just begin to love him, welcome him and say, Holy Spirit, hey. 
Hey, Lord, let me be filled with your agape until that day that I see you face to face. Let everybody who comes in contact with me, if they forget everything that I've ever said, let them remember the love of God burning in my heart. In Jesus' name. So now, faith, hope and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is agape. Have an amazing day, beautiful people. May God bless you and let agape characterise your life from this day on and let 1 Corinthians 13 be a description of you. God bless you. Take care.